Jesus, thank you that you uh, arranged for all of us to be here today because it's not an accident. I know you have something to say to us, and and I'm so excited about it. God, I I want it to be you that speaks and not me, and uh, I just pray, Lord, that we would literally be different on the inside when we leave this place today. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we are wrapping up this series called Changed. And for the last several weeks, we've been asking this question when it comes to our relationship with God and lots of areas of our lives, can I really change my relationships, my physical body, my finances, uh, my direction and influence in in my life? Can, Can I really change? Because I believe all the Jesus stuff. Like, I believe God is who he says he is, and, and I buy in. That's why I come and sit here every Sunday. I, I get it, and I, I buy that that's real, but there are just areas of my life where I seem to get stuck. And though I want to be different, and I want to follow God, and I want to change, it just seems like there are certain things or certain areas of my life that keep me trapped, and I just can't get past them no matter how hard I try. We've had these three foundational scripture passages that we've been looking at for the last uh, several weeks, and I want to run through them real quickly today, just in case somebody hasn't been here. First of all, John 10.10 is a verse where Jesus himself, in his own words, is telling us why he came here, why he left the comfort and safety uh, and beauty of heaven to come here to a broken world. Why on earth would he do that? And he tells us in John 10.10, Jesus' own words, he says, the thief's purpose, the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, my purpose is to give them, that's me and you, a rich and satisfying life. And we've been saying this throughout the whole series. Notice in, the, in that phrase, rich and satisfying, there's nothing that remotely indicates easy or smooth or problem-free. He's not promising us this, this skate-free life, right? He, he's saying, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life, even in the moments when it's really hard and really uncertain and really frustrating and really dark. Even in those moments, the reason I came, the reason I did everything I did for you is so that not just can you go to heaven and be problem-free one day, but right now in the midst of the chaos, you can have peace and joy and this rich and satisfying life. That's why you came. Then, then we've been looking at this uh, statement from the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, where he, again, says this is why Jesus came. This is it. So Christ has truly set us free. That's why he came, to set you and me free from all the stuff that keeps us in prison. Now, look what he says. He he gives us a warning. Now, make sure that you stay free. And this is where we've been using this illustration or this metaphor of a prison cell and how crazy it sounds for someone who's been sentenced to prison and then eventually set free. They unlock the cell, they open the door, and that person can go free. We've been talking about how crazy it would be for that person who was given freedom to willfully go back to the prison cell and lock themselves up. It just doesn't make sense. Like anybody who did that in the real world, we'd go, well, that's dumb. Like, why would you? That's crazy. Why would you do that? But yet, a lot of us, and I'm I'm including me in this, a lot of us do that in our spiritual lives. Christ has given us the strength to live free from all of the stuff that weighs us down. It is us who chooses to go back into the prison cell and go, no, my sentence is life. I'm stuck here. There are no other options. And that's just not true. That's why Jesus came to break the lock off the cell and let you go free. And, and then and as, as we're sitting there, right, you're hearing all that and you're probably thinking, that sounds great on paper, Ferris, but it sounds impossible when I think about it in my life. Like in my daily life, it just doesn't seem possible. And funny you say that. Look at the last verse we've been looking at throughout this series, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus says this. He looked at what's going on in this verse is he's talking to some religious leaders and they're basically asking Jesus, is that really possible? Come on, man. 
Is that really true? Can that really happen? And this is what he says. With man, this is impossible. And so think about your life and wanting to change and wanting things to be better and wanting to look more like Jesus and you're thinking, impossible. Jesus agrees with with your power, it is impossible. And then he says, with God, all things are possible. We could stop there today, and that's really good news, but we're not going to stop because I even have better news for you today that I, I think for some people in this room, it could be literally the game changer in your life. I believe that. So before we dive into this last part, and I promise it's the best part, that's why we saved it for last, I want to kind of tie a final bow on this whole idea of changing uh, with this, by saying this, when Jesus comes into your life to change you, and, and that's what he does, he sets up camp, he, he moves in, and he is in your life. When he moves into your life to change you, he is not just interested in tweaking your character or behavior. That's not why he died on the cross. That's not why he did everything he did. People who look at Christianity as a self-improvement program are severely mistaken. It's not that. that's, That's not what this series has ever been about. Jesus came because he wants to literally, from the inside out, transform who you are on the inside. He wants to make you a brand new person. Y'all ever see the, uh, the TV show Gilligan's Island? How many of y'all are old enough that you've actually watched an episode of Gilligan? Okay, good. So look, if you're younger and you have no idea who Gilligan is, do yourself a favor and go find it online and watch at least three or four episodes, okay? You, you will be a better person because you have watched... <laughs> Gilligan's Island. Okay, that's homework number one. Go watch Gilligan. You're missing out. Now, it was an amazing show, but let's be honest. Okay, you had the skipper and Gilligan. They ran the boat. And then you had a science professor. You had some girl from Kansas. I don't know how she got in there, Marianne. You had a movie star, Ginger. And then you had a millionaire couple, Mr. and Mrs. Howell. And out of all those people, you got a a, a captain of a ship, a a millionaire, and a science professor. And for like seven years, they have hundreds of opportunities to get off that island, and they can't figure it out. Like, I'm sitting as a kid watching Gilead. I'm like, I could get you off that island right now. You guys are idiots, right? And and so so that part is not so good. but, But there was this one particular episode that sticks out to me today, and it was this episode, and I can't remember, I tried to look it up on Google this week, but I I know it in my head, here's the basis, and I know what you're thinking, that sounds like every other episode of Gilligan's Island, and that's fair, don't judge, just follow me, because there's a point, okay, which the point sounded a lot more spiritual and impressive when I was writing it this week than it does right now coming out of my mouth, but just go with me, okay, Um, so, so, there's this episode where Gilligan, I think he eats some berries that were exposed to radiation. And when he eats these berries, he develops personality disorder, multiple personality disorder. And so throughout the episode, Gilligan's having conversations with someone, like he's hanging out with Professor and Marianne, and they're talking, and one moment he's Gilligan, and then the next second he's, he's completely changed who he is. Like his tone of voice, his mannerisms, he's a completely different person. In fact, I vividly remember this part of this episode where it's the skipper, Gilligan, and the professor standing there talking, and Gilligan goes in and changes into a completely different person, and he says to uh, the professor, Professor, what's wrong with my little buddy? Why is he acting that way? And the professor says, he's not your little buddy anymore, he's John Wayne. Because, because part of his personality disorder made him talk and act like John Wayne. And if you don't know who John Wayne is, <laughs> listen, you could go to hell for that, okay? Now, Gilligan's one thing, but if you don't know who John Wayne is, you better find out today. But John Wayne would say something like this, give me some more of those berries, pilgrim, or something like that, you know? And, and that's how Gilligan would talk, and the professor nailed it. 
he was acting differently because he wasn't Gilligan anymore. He had literally become a different person. And judge me all you want, that's what Jesus wants to do in your life. Not turn you into John Wayne, but transform you into a brand new person. Now watch this. If you'll trust him enough to allow him to transform you on the inside and make you someone new, your behavior will automatically change on the outside. That's, that's why the, the, the million-dollar question that we're asking today in this final uh, episode of the Change series is, can I change spiritually? You could take all the other areas that we've been looking at and wrap them into this one and go, can I change spiritually? And, and I have good news for you. The answer to that is yes. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this beautiful promise from the New Testament. And, and here's what the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he's talking about the gospel and what Jesus came to do and what he came to give us. And this is what he says. This means all that gospel stuff, Jesus dying on the cross, raising again, new life. He says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, this is really good, if, if you don't have your paper Bible, you should take a picture of this or find it in your phone and whatever. I don't know. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is the definition of a do-over. It's literally about spiritual transformation that can only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ by giving him full access and authority to work on your heart on the inside, that's how we change on the outside. We can't just come in here on a Sunday and go, give me a little nugget that will make me act differently uh, on Monday through Friday this week. It doesn't work that way. And, and if you've been coming for a long time going, well, I thought it worked that way. I, I apologize, but that's not how it goes. You, you open your hands like this, in full surrender and go, full access, God, make me a new person. Like, I don't want to just tweak my behavior. I want a new life. I want to do over. And I have a feeling in a crowd this big today, there's somebody in here today and you hear the word do over or fresh start and you're going, sign me up because life is really hard right now. I'll, I'll take that. I need a do over. I need a fresh start. And that's the business that Jesus is in. Wait, if you'll trust him enough to give him full access and authority of your heart. Now, I know that a, a lot of people are like me, and when they hear all that, they're like, okay, that, that's great. I want that. I, I want to be better. I want to act differently, respond differently, treat people differently. I want to love God more, serve him better, do the right thing. I want to change. It's not that I don't want to. It's that even with the want to I have inside, it feels like I take two steps forward and three steps back and I always self-sabotage any pro process or, or progress that Jesus is making in my life. And I just feel like there are certain things in my life that just own me and I'll never get past it no matter what you or Jesus says. And, and I, know, I know how that feels because I feel that way. But it's not reality, it's not true. That's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's, he's getting you to buy into lies that will keep you stuck. He, he wants you to believe that your life in prison or your sentence in prison is a life sentence and you're not allowed. Maybe other people are allowed to go live in freedom and make an amaz amazing difference in this world, but not you because you got too much stuff. You got too much baggage. And, and that's not who Jesus was. So, once again, for the final time in this series, I get the honor of saying this morning, you, not your spouse, not the person sitting next to you, not the person who invited you here, not somebody that you think is a lot better than you, you can change. Look at Romans chapter 12 with me. This is a really famous uh, verse in Scripture that if you've grown up in church or spent any time in church, you've probably seen it. But it, it, it speaks to this idea of God making us new. And it really is the key that unlocks us changing our behavior on the outside. So uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. So dear brothers and sisters, I 
plead with you. Most theologians think the Apostle Paul also wrote this book, and it's interesting that, that across all translations, you see a word similar to the word plead here. I plead with you. And so you got to look at my face. Like when, when someone is pleading with you, it's not this casual conversation going, hey man, if you get around to it, you know, if you think about it this way, he's saying, I am pleading with you today. That's what he's saying. And this is what he's pleading. That you give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. This, this is truly the way you can worship him. Now don't copy the the behavior and customs of this world. Don't do it like everybody else does it. Instead, look what he says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And, and this morning in my study time, I was reading that last part of verse 2 again where it says, then you'll learn what the will of God is. And isn't that crazy? Because if you're anything like me, the, one of the biggest frustrations that we walk through, whether you walk with Christ for five years, 30 years, 50 years of your life, you walk through kind of frustrated going, I just want to know what he wants for me. He, he just told you the secret. Let him transform you into a new person by changing everything about the way you think. Right? This is why this passage is so important. Jesus came to change the way you think. Everywhere he went and when he taught large crowds, he would say something like this. Just, this is an example of how Jesus would teach. He would say, you have heard it said, but I tell you, and what he's saying all throughout the, the Gospels in the life of Jesus, you see this is true. And what he's saying is, hey, I came to tell you a new way. Like, I know all of your life you've been told this. Like, do it like this. But I came to tell you a new way. And you could picture the conversation going like this. Jesus saying to you this morning, I know Whatever you've been told in your life, whatever you've been taught, you believe and somebody told you, you got to stay stuck in that prison cell. But I came to tell you a better way, a new way, so that you don't have to settle for that life in that 6 by 12 cell anymore. You can go free and have this new life. You just got to let me show you a new way of thinking about life, about me, about who my father is, and about how my father God sees you. If you'll let me do that, then you'll set free and you'll be a brand new person. Now, that said, what does that mean, changing the way we think? Well, here's how I think we think right now. I'm going to tell you what I think about what we think And then you can think about what you think about what I said about what we think. Okay? Here it is. I think most people, not everybody, if you're agnostic or atheist or you're kicking the tires or you're not sure that this isn't all some fairy tale, I realize not everybody, okay? But most people, I believe, have a very high view of God and Jesus. Right? When we think of Jesus, we think Savior, Master, Lord, Judge, boss, right? I think most people have that in the right place. And by the way, it should be like that. We should think those things of him. But here's where the problem comes with our thinking. If we only see God as a whip and chair God, this judge ready to pounce on us if we do something wrong, then we will inevitably fall for a performance-based gospel that goes something like this. The better I follow the rules, the better Jesus will like me. The worse I do at following the rules and doing the right things, the less Jesus will like me. I think many of us grow up thinking that Jesus' view of us is connected to our performance. If I, if I perform good, Jesus looks down and smiles on me. If I perform bad, if I don't do all the right things, if I don't follow the rules, then Jesus looks at me with a frown on his face, disgusted look on his face, rolling his eyes at me. And here's the problem with that. That's not biblical, and Jesus never said anything remotely close to that. Somebody sold me and you that. 
Now, some of you grew up in fundamental churches like I did, and right now your, your uh, truth meter is going off right now and going, hey, too much grace going on here. We need some truth. Bring the truth back in. Okay, here's the truth, okay? God hates sin, not you. That's the truth. He's never hated you. He hates sin. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. I've got some things I want to share with you, right? Now, here's the really, really good news for, for, for all of us in this room, whether you choose to accept it today or not. Jesus came to teach us a new way of seeing our relationship with him, okay? And here's why the devil goes bonkers on that and will do anything he can to prevent you from getting what I'm telling you today. In fact, can I just call a time out and tell you, like, please come back for all the Sundays after this until Jesus comes back, but everything you need to know about the Christian life, I'm going to tell you today. Okay, like, please come back, because it's awesome, and we're going to have fun, and, and you can learn something every day, but the secret to the Christian life, I'm sharing it with you today. The crazy thing is, most of us don't buy in. That's why we live frustrated, captive lives. We don't buy into what I'm about to share, right? And, and part of it is because the devil won't sleep. He won't rest until he disrupts you accepting this great news I have to share with you today, okay? So, so and, and by the way, the reason he won't rest is he knows if you ever do buy into what I'm about to tell you today, that you'll experience a level of joy and peace that you never knew was possible and the impact that you will make by filling other people's buckets will literally transform your world and that's the last thing he wants to happen, true? So he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop coming at you because he doesn't want you to get this. Step one, look at this. Definitely worth taking a picture of today. You don't have to change so that Jesus will love you. The love that Jesus has for you makes it possible for you to change. You see, when I was growing up, preachers would get up here like me today and they would go, just love God more and you can do awesome things for Him. And that's not a lie. They weren't lying. But the way it sounds, it sounds, I got to perform better and then Jesus will love me better. No, no. You can perform better because Jesus already loves you infinitely. That, that's what sets you free. That's what allows you to act differently on the inside, outside is the love that Jesus has for you on the inside. And, and before you start putting measurements on it, listen to me. Jesus knows everything about you. Things I don't know, things your spouse doesn't know, evil thoughts that you have, thoughts that you look in the mirror and go, are you crazy even thinking that, man? Jesus knows all of that, and it doesn't change his love for you one second. That's how big his love for you is. You just got to buy in. So before we go any further, I want to share some statements with you. I already gave away one, but I want to just read some statements. They're going to be on the screen here. And I just want you to listen to him, and, and many of you are going to go, I already know that. Good. Good reminder. Okay? It'll be a great reminder. But this is the part that I believe could be a game changer for somebody sitting in here today who is stuck. And they're asking themselves, is this even worth it? Can I ever really change? Look at these statements. Here we go. Number one, God is not mad at you. He's not. Like, some of you may have done something really bad last night. Now, I checked the news this morning, and it wasn't that bad that anybody's looking for you or anything like that. But maybe you did something last night or this week that you deeply regret and you know was wrong. Even knowing that, God's not mad at you. You can't find it. It's not in there. He's not mad at you, okay? Secondly, God is not tired of you or disappointed in you. I know what you're thinking because this one I battle. Because I go, how could he not be disappointed in me when I'm so disappointed in me? Because your love, even your love for yourself, is a human love of love. It's not supernatural like God's love. And I'm telling you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, he's not tired of you and he's not disappointed in you. 
keep going. All the truth people are going nuts right now. Like, there's too much love going on. Okay, that's God is love. Get over it. Here it is. Here's another one. God doesn't look at you as damaged goods. He sees you as his masterpiece. And I know that's hard for some of you. Because when you look in the mirror, the last thing you think is masterpiece. But my Bible says you are God's masterpiece. You were painstakingly and carefully and creatively made for good. Like You're not damaged goods. You're, you're a masterpiece. Like You are a priceless masterpiece. You know how I know you're priceless? How many of you are willing to sacrifice your child for someone else? Because you'd have to love somebody quite a bit to give your child for them. No? That's what he did for you. You're priceless, right? Look at this one. God hasn't reached his limit with you. He just wants a better life for you. The conviction you feel in your heart, don't, don't misinterpret as, I'm mad at you, I hate you. When God's convicting your heart, here's what he's saying. And if you've got to record this or go online and get a snippet of it and make it your, your uh, ringtone on your phone, I think that's creepy that I would be your ringtone. But if you've got to hear this to get into your head, by all means do this. Listen, when God convicts you, he's not going, you're a loser, I'm mad at you, can't you get your act together? He's not saying that. He's going like this. It doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to settle for this. I, I died to give you so much more. And then finally, the one I already shared, God doesn't hate you. He hates sin and how it destroys you. He hates sin, but he doesn't hate you. That's all really good news. Now, now watch this, okay? The way God feels about you and sees you and what he wants for your life that's what makes change possible. Like whatever in your area you're thinking, man, I really need to change in that area. I got to get better on that. What makes that possible is how Jesus feels about you. And how he feels about you is love. Like you're good with him. And the reason that's so hard for us to wrap our minds around as human beings is because the humans we do life with on this broken earth, they don't operate that way. You've got to perform to get my love. And if your performance goes down, then my love for you goes down. That's why it's hard for us to grasp that God would love us a different way. And you can't measure, you, you can't hold God to a human st standard of love. Because he's not human. He's God. And his love for you is nothing like human love. He cares about us. I, I was re-watching one of the episodes of this series from, we told you a few times, this, the idea, kind of the foundation for this series came from a church in Denver that we look up to a lot called Flatirons Community Church. And I was re-watching one of the episodes of this this week. And that particular week they had a guest pastor in teaching and he's actually a missionary from inner city Mexico City just one of the roughest parts of, of, of North America for sure probably the world just you know uh, riddled with gang cartels and murders and and this guy is a pastor of a church in the inner city of Mexico City and he shared this sign that hangs outside his church. And when you walk into his church, and I think it's a lot like this in Mexico and some other countries, you first walk into a courtyard, then you walk into the building of the church. And, and over the entrance to the courtyard, he has a huge sign hanging outside of his courtyard of his church that says this, the love of Jesus heals everything. That's it. And I know some of you are going, too easy, too easy. That, that's too good to be true. It's true. And, and, and listen to me, be careful. I, I'm not saying, okay, that's what it says in Spanish. Let me translate it to Stevelish, okay? Here, here's, what it, 
here's, here's what Jesus isn't saying. He's not saying, Jesus fixes everything, man. Just, just love Jesus more. Just pray for more. It, it's not that simple. You, you know it's not. So in my words, here's my translation of the love of Jesus heals everything. Here it is. You will never find lasting peace in this world. So if you're still trying, give up. It's not there. It's not in circumstances, substances, relationships, or money. But lasting peace that can't be measured in words is available through knowing Jesus Christ. That's the secret. You want peace? Get to know Jesus. In fact, to go a little bit deeper, here's a really, you've probably seen this bumper sticker, and if you have this bumper sticker, I'm sorry, I love you, but it's cheesy, but it it goes like this, right? The more you know Jesus, the more you'll experience his peace. The bumper sticker goes something like this, no Jesus, no peace, no Jesus, no peace. Like, I love you, and keep it on your car, it's awesome, somebody's life is going to be changed, I just can't handle it, okay? Um... (laughs) And that's me. That, I See, that's an area where your pastor needs to change. I need transformation. But, but the reality is, like, no matter what you want to say about the statement, this statement's true. The more you know Jesus, the more you'll experience his peace. You know why? Because Jesus didn't come to this earth just to give you peace. He came as peace. Jesus is peace. And the more you and I invest in getting to know Him, the more peace we will naturally have in our lives. However, here's the catch. You knew there was a catch, I'm going to tell you the catch. Just like our human relationships with each other, you have to cultivate your relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, that's the secret. You want to know the secret? Know Him more. Get closer to Him. That's the secret to the Christian life, to everything you're walking through, to every struggle, fear, frustration, anything you're dealing with, that's the answer. Get to know him more because the more you get to know him, it changes your perspective on everything. It changes you from the inside out, but we have to work at that. That's where our effort comes and all of the the judgment people are like, oh, finally, we got to do something. Yes, we, we got we to gotta work at getting to know him. There's this fancy word in Christianity, this phrase called spiritual formation. And it sounds stuffy and formal and all that, but here's all it really means. This is what spiritual formation means. Spiritual formation is anything I do intentionally to become more like Jesus. It's that simple. Like, it sounds scary, but spiritual formations, or another way to say it is spiritual disciplines, it's, it's just simply anything I do to get closer to Jesus or to be more like Jesus. And so now that the secret to all this Christian life is out, we could say it like this. If you want to change, if you want to change and become more like Jesus, and I'm banking that you want some of that or you wouldn't come and sit here every Sunday, if you want to change and be more like Jesus, just spend more time with him. And it, I swear, it's that simple. Just spend time with him. And, and Jesus knew this was important. He, he knew how critical this was, and I'm going to prove it to you in John chapter 15. If you have a paper Bible with you today, this is going to be one of those really good days where it's worth like highlighting something or circling or underlining something, but definitely take a picture of some of this passage from John 15, and I want to set it up as you get there. Just turn to John chapter 15. Here's the scene. Jesus has just had his final meal with his followers. We call it the Last Supper, right? It's really famous, and and that's from time to time throughout the year, we we celebrate something in here called communion. We take a cracker and juice, and what what we're symbolizing there is that last meal and what Jesus did after that last meal, which is what makes this story so unbelievable to me, right? So Jesus has just had his last supper with his disciples. They leave, and immediately Judas goes to betray Jesus. He goes to sell Jesus out and tell, tell the Roman soldiers where he is. 
So they're headed to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And you've heard that. It's a famous Easter uh, phrase that you hear every year. And you'll hear it again this Easter over and over again. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is arrested while he's praying for you and me. He's literally on his knees praying for you and me. And the Roman guards come and arrest him. They torture him. They mock him. And then they put him to death in the most brutal way any human being could ever think of dying. And in this moment, in John 15, Jesus, who is 100% man, but 100% God, he knows all of this is about to happen. Are y'all following me? Like, he knows this is about to be the worst moment of his life. And I don't know about you, but I'm just being transparent here. If that was me... Yet another reason we're glad Steve Ferris was never God. Like, if that was me, okay, and I knew I was about to go to my death, I'm not going to be in a very good mood that night. I'm not going to be in a people mood. And the last thing I'm going to be in the mood to do is have an object lesson with these boneheads I've been trying to teach for three years that don't even fully believe I am who I say I am. And they are dumbfounded that I can do all these things. I'm not going to be in the mood to do that but for some reason I believe because Jesus knew how important this was on the way to his death on the way to the garden of Gethsemane he stops in a vineyard probably grapes and he gives an object lesson and I think and and, and isn't it interesting Jesus could have talked about a lot of things during this object lesson he could have talked about going to church more loving your spouse better giving more money to the church, helping poor people more. He could, he could have talked about a lot of things, but he didn't. He only talked about this. Like it's his final moment, its final opportunity to drive a truth home in the hearts and minds of his followers, and he chooses this. Look with me in verse 4. He says, stay joined to me. And I'll stay joined to you. And he's probably holding one of these branches as he's talking to these guys. And he goes, just as a branch can't produce fruit unless it stays joined to the vine, you can't produce fruit unless you stay joined to me. You could insert, for the word fruit here, you could put the word change. Everything we've been talking about for the last seven weeks. You want to change? Stay connected to me. He goes on, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he's showing them. They're in the vineyard and he's showing them. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you will produce lots of change, lots of fruit. You won't even look like the same person anymore. You'll be so different on the inside. And then he has a warning. But you can't do anything without me. Now, for all the skeptics in the room, and I throw myself in that boat, I'm a natural skeptic. Let me tell you what Jesus is not saying, obviously, so you don't think we're just dumb here. He's not saying you can't do anything without me. People that don't even believe God exists do great things every day. Can we agree with that? Like, he's not saying you can't do anything. What he's saying is this. You want to produce fruit? Connect to me. You, you want to change that area of your life that you, you've been stuck in? Then connect to me. Join to me. Get to know me better. Spend time with me. If you'll do that, the change will come naturally. But if you don't, you're on your own. And don't expect change to come. That's what he means by you can't do anything apart from me. He's saying to these guys on that night that he's about to be arrested for us. He's saying, look, if you can try change on your own, but you don't have the strength. You want real change in your life? Then stay connected to me. I'm the key that unlocks life change. Such a simple and profound truth. At the same time, it's so simple but it's so profound and fleeting for us who walk around here on earth. Just know him better. 
Just get to know Jesus more and your life will be different. Now, I got to say this really hard truth as, as we kind of start landing the plane here, okay? A relationship with Jesus Christ, in other words, the connecting to him, the staying joined to him, it can't just be an interest in your life. Your relationship with Jesus can't be just another thing you do in life. Listen to me, don't miss this, because this is, this is the key. Your relationship with Jesus must be your life. Then the change will come. you got to dive in head first. And when you come to grips with that truth that your, your relationship with Jesus is your life, then change will come. And we're silly to think that it's going to change any other way. Not lastingly. Not forever. But wait, there's more. There, there's like you thought that was good news there's even more y'all ever see those commercials like the the sham towel whatever and the weirdo dudes on there he's like this soaks up eight gallons of water each time you use it or whatever and and throughout the whole commercial he's like but wait there's more and the guy now has got the black silicone stuff and it's like you know look the titanic if they would have had this they'd have been fine but wait there's more you know all that kind of stuff right I'm telling you, there's, there's more here. Look at verse 14. Look what happens when we intentionally join ourselves to Jesus. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll kind of break it down and then we'll be done. And you are my friends if you obey me. Don't get stuck right there because he's not teaching performance gospel. We'll come back to that. You are my friends if you obey me. Verse 15. Servants don't know what their master is doing, so I don't speak to you as servants... I speak to you as my friends. Holy Master, Savior, Judge, Boss, Jesus is saying, you are my friend. I speak to you as my friend. I I have told you everything my Father has told me. Now, now going back to verse 14, be careful because Jesus is not teaching performance-based love. What he's not saying here is, if you'll act better and follow all the rules better, you can be my friend. But if you don't, you're out. It's not what Jesus is teaching here. In fact, he's immediately referencing what we just read in verse 4. He says, if you'll trust me enough to join to me, you will be my friend. In fact, he says it on a different level. And, and, and if anything is worth taking home with you today, take home this and pretend Jesus is the one saying it to you. Look at this on the screen. If if you'll just trust me enough to invent and intentionally invest time to get to know me, then and only then you'll experience a level of friendship and peace that you never knew was even possible. In a nutshell, what Jesus is saying to you today, regardless of what you carried into this place, I want to be your friend. Yes, I'm Lord and Master. And yes, I hate the sin that destroys you. But when I look at you, I look at you as my friend. And isn't that what we need? Like he knows on this earth, Jesus knows, Jesus is not dumb, right? He knows you don't need somebody else poking you in the chest, telling you everything you're doing wrong. You already know all that. What you need is a friend to come alongside you and say, regardless of all that, I love you. And the reason he knows we need that so bad is because he knows how humans are. He he knows how terribly we love one another. And he knows we need somebody that we can count on to not be mad at us, but to be our friend. To not give up on us, but to give us a peace and joy that this world cannot offer. Now, as we close today, the logical thing, the logical question is, okay, fine. Knowing Jesus, that's the secret. Get to know Jesus more. If I get closer to him, I'll be at more peace. If If I get to know him more, I'll have strength to change my life. Okay, fine. How does that work? How do I do that practically? And I'm, I'm going to take a few minutes to tell you today because it's that important. 
And for some of you, it's going to sound really repetitive. Good. We learn by repetition, don't we? How you learn to walk? By falling down over and over and getting back up. How you learn to ride a bike? This is how you get to know Jesus right here. The first one, I'll just say it the way we say it around here at the bridge all the time. It's called chair time. And, and that phrase is not my idea. It came from Pastor Bill Hybels in Chicago, Illinois, one of the most influential spiritual leaders of our day. But here's what it looks like for you. Finding a place in your house, at your office, somewhere quiet where you can't be distracted, and making up your mind that every single day you're going to sit down and just talk to Jesus. And I know, the moment I say that, some of you are going, I don't know how to talk to God. How do you even talk to God? Like your best friend. Because that's what he wants to be. Just talk. Just tell him. Tell him everything that you're feeling. Tell him everything that you're struggling with. He wants to know. Just talk to him. Just like you would a good friend that you're getting to know. You want to know how to get to know him more? Just talk to him. Sit in your chair and talk to him. But let me give you another part to that. Let me, let me give you a second part to that. Not only do you need to talk to him, you got to do some listening. And you got to let him talk to you. And the best way he designed to do that in your life is this thing called the Bible. He... I think one of the biggest mistakes Christians make in the world today is we picture the Bible as something like a history book or at at maximum something that was written to people 2,000 years ago that had a whole lot more faith than we did. And that's not true. Every word in Scripture that you think was written for Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John You were on Jesus' mind at that same moment and he wrote it to you. You guys can judge me for this, but I grew up in this area. If you're young and you grew up in the electronic era, you're not going to have any idea what I'm talking about right now. But when I was in especially junior high, but maybe even a little bit into high school, when you loved somebody, you know, when you had that special guy or girl and you wanted to let them know that they were special to you, you wrote this thing called a note. And, and if you, had, you knew you had a really special girl, if she folded that thing in such a way that it took you 10 minutes just to open it to find out what it was she was saying about you. It was amazing the way they would fold these things. But you would open it up and you would see in black and white on paper, this is how she feels about me. Bible like all you got to do is open it up get on your phone because that tells you how God feels about you he wrote it to you so so listen it's your choice when you commit to chair time another way you can get to know Jesus is by coming here and doing what you're doing on Sunday morning just come if you're if you're like man I that wigs me out. I'm not ready for chair time yet. Fine. Come keep sitting in this chair and we'll keep telling you the truth every week because we're, we're going to do a lot of things wrong in the history of the Bridge Fellowship. But I will die before we compromise the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ from this platform right here. We're going to keep telling you the truth over and over again. So if nothing else, just keep coming and listening to this and eventually it's going to start changing you. I promise. I've been there. I know what that looks like. You're going to love this one. Find a life group. Right over here at the Get Connected table, there are flyers that tell you all kinds of life groups that we have. You can go on our website, bridgeus.com, and you can actually kind of check them out, see who the leader is, where they meet, when they meet. You can even email the leader. Listen to me. If you want to get to know Jesus better, then spend time with people who are getting to know Jesus better. Doesn't that make sense or is it just me? Find podcasts that speak to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a secret that could really hurt our attendance here, okay? There are preachers and teachers out there all over the country that have podcasts and they are way better than me. 
They are, man. I'm just being straight with you. Like, I don't listen to me. Like, we have a podcast. I don't listen to me, but I listen to those guys. Find a podcast that speaks to your heart and download it and listen to it while you're working out, while you're driving, while you're commuting, whatever. Fill your life with truth. Fill your heart with truth. And I'm telling you, without you even knowing it, it will begin to transform you on the inside out. And there's some other things, but you get the point. Now, here's the hard part I have to say. You don't have to do any of that. Nobody's making you read your Bible or talk to God or even come to church. I don't know, maybe your spouse is making you come to church, but that's a whole nother message for later. But all of these things are part of what we call these spiritual disciplines. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, okay, fine, I'm not ready for all that. Fine. Genuinely, I'm not being sarcastic. Fine. But here's the hard truth I have to say as your pastor. Don't get mad at God when you get stuck. Don't blame Him when there's not a change in your life and you see this repetitive cycle, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. It's not His fault because He told you the the secret today. And I've just given you some practical ways to do it. Nobody's going to make you But you can't blame God if you know the answer and you don't choose to make it a part of your life. That's hard, but it's true. But here's the good news, and I'll leave you with this. Because getting to know Jesus is the only way, the only way to not change your behavior, but to literally change you on the inside out, if you will trust Him enough, to intentionally invest time to get to know Him, I personally promise you, you will become a brand new person just like Gilligan and John Wayne. Promise. Let's pray. God, we, we want to change. We want to be better. We, we want to live better lives. We want to love you better. We want to love other people better. God, thank you for the truth of your word today that is so simple. Just got to get to know you more because you are love and you are peace. You are what we've been looking for. God, it feels fleeting sometimes because this world is chaotic we're prone to self-sabotage. So God, would you give us the strength and courage to put things in place that allow us to know you more and then naturally change into a new person on the outside, the way we act, the way we treat people, the way we love you. Would you give us courage to, to take action today and change those things in our lives so that you can change us on the inside? Thank you, Jesus, that you would even offer that. Because who are we that you would even be knowledgeable of us? That's how good you are.